So I'm going to read him, re- be reading from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Paul writes to the church of Colossae, and he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this beautiful passage. Thank You again for Your grace and mercy that comes through the Scriptures. Thank You for grace that is there to help us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, so that when Jesus appears, we will appear with Him in glory. Father, help us not to waste our life. Help us to sanctify our hearts and cleanse our hearts so that we can be transformed more into Christ-likeness. So we can seek the things above and less things on earth. Help us, Father. Thank you for your grace. And help me now to be clear and understood. Help me to, to preach in a way that grows us and matures us in Christ, that builds us up and that helps us to walk worthy of our calling and bear fruit in every good work. So, Father, we we want to thank you for the Scriptures and thank you for Jesus, that in Him we have salvation and through Him we receive the promise, the Holy Spirit, who is there to illuminate the Scriptures and teach us your Word. So, Father, again, just thank you for this morning. Thank you we can gather around your Word and learn to live a Christ-centered life. Help us, Father. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look back at Christmas and at Old Year's Eve or New Year's Day, was Christ at the centre of those two events? Was He there at all? Or was He pushed to the side? And here we are this morning and you bring Him back into the centre. Because we are commanded to live a Christ-centered life. We are commanded to have Christ at the center of everything. I think it's in, in Colossians chapter 1.18, we are told that Christ must come and have first place in everything, especially if, you, if we're a Christian. We should be living a Christ-centered life. And this is what I want to focus on this morning. Are we as Christians living a Christ-centered life? And I'm not saying only when things are going well, because that is quite easy. But that's also a downfall, because when things are going well and we've been blessed, we can also become complacent. And at the same time, we can push Christ to the side. But I'm talking as well when we have trials, when, when suffering comes into our lives. Because when that happens, our love for Christ can grow cold. We can also abandon him in our hearts push him off the throne we can also go through the motions of christianity and we can also accommodate to the world around us and look exactly like the world when we go through trials christ needs to be at the center of our lives on every occasion in our lives when we wake up and when we go to bed during that day we should have christ at the center 
There was a man that tried to live like this. We know Jesus lived like this. He was the Son of Man. He was truly man and truly God. And he lived with his Father at the center of his life. His Father's will was at the center of his life. And he showed it. He proved it by being a doer of his Father's will and obeying the commandments. But there was a man that was just fully man that tried to live like this. And his name was John Colvin. People think that John Calvin was just this theologian, which he was. But if you really knew him by reading some of his books, you will see that he was a pastor at heart. His commentaries are up here in writing, but his sermons are down here in preaching. They are simple, and they are preaching to the man on the street. This guy was an ivory tower of, 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 um, of theology. But this is what's said of him. He was intent on bringing every sphere of existence under the Lordship of Christ, so that all of life might be lived to the glory of God. And that can only happen if Christ is at the centre of our lives, if we are living a Christ-centred life. And if Calvin did this, then we can, by God's grace, we can. But we need to be disciplined. That's why I read that verse from from um, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. I think it was verse 14. No, verse 11. Grace didn't only save us, but grace is also there to instruct us to live godly lives. It's there to help us to have Christ at the center of our lives. So we are either living a self-centered life as a Christian, or we are living a Christ-centered life as a Christian. You can't you can't, have, you can't be in the middle. And, and, and unfortunately, our biggest problem as human beings, when it comes to living in this world, our biggest problem for Christians and non-Christians is that we seem to place our happiness and our joy on a lot of the earthly things. It could be physical things or it could be the philosophies of life as well. And what does this do to us? The sad thing is that we miss the greatest thing of all, and that is our love and our fellowship with God takes that away and then our relationship and our fellowship and our love for our fellow friends as well. It messes up our friendship. It messes up so much when we, when we seem to focus so much on the earthly things and we thrive for the earthly things to, to bring us contentment and happiness. Now there's nothing wrong with having earthly things. There's nothing wrong with having a home and a car and, and nice things that go with it. We work so that we can earn and buy things to enjoy. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, have things to enjoy, but also be content and don't let them get in the way of robbing you of enjoying God and the people that God has put in front of you. It's so easy to, to allow the earthly things to get in the way of our relationship with people. So this morning, I just want to encourage us. And we're going to recap our first fact that help us to, to bring Christ into the center of our lives. We're going to recap on that. But I just want to, 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 to encourage us and to remind us so that we can live a Christ-centered life. Maybe, maybe, I don't know what your New Year's resolution is going forward into 2022. 
Maybe it's a, an earthly thing. You want to lose weight, you want to get fit, you want to get strong. Maybe it's a heavenly thing. And you want to serve more. But the question is, within these things, will Christ be at the center of your life? Let me recap on our first fact that we need to know to encourage us to, to live a Christ-centered life. And the first fact is that we need to know that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. God hasn't just saved us and left us to do our own thing. Verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3, if you look there, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That came through salvation. Isn't that a beautiful thing to know that our lives are hidden with Christ in God? We are sealed by the work of the Holy Spirit. No one can snatch us out of God's hands. No one can take away our salvation. No one can destroy us. Neither death nor disease can destroy us. We are more than conquerors in Christ. And we are hidden in Christ, in God, or with Christ in God, when we are saved. What other religion teaches us that? What other religion talks about their God dying for them? What other religion talks about a righteousness given to their people to save them? No other religion. If you want to listen to this first fact in more detail, go to last week's sermon and listen to this first fact on our lives are hidden with Christ in God. I'm just recapping, so I'm not going to go into great detail. But we can say that Christianity is the only religion that teaches us that we have a Savior, a person. And our Lord and Savior is Jesus, and He came to rescue us from the wrath to come. Yes, He's the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. But taking away the sin of the world means through Him we are rescued from the wrath to come. Christianity is the only true religion that has a person to rescue them from sin. And He's the one that gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And how did Jesus rescue us? He gave himself up. He voluntarily and willingly went to the cross. And there on the cross he was crucified. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. To bring us to God, his Father. Beautiful verse in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And that when you read these verses, we should embrace these truths and we should be in, encouraged and, and grateful and thankful for our salvation. We don't deserve this. What have I done to earn salvation? Nothing. Jesus has earned it for me so that I can be declared right before God. I can't stand before God and take any credit for what I've done in this life. He is the one that has atoned for our sins by paying the penalty of our guilt as a substitute who made a sacrifice in our place with his own blood. It's the righteous man dying for the unrighteous man to bring us to his Father, to reconcile us to his Father. 
So that according to verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3, we have died with Him, but then again we read that we are also hidden with Christ in God. Romans chapter 6 verse 8 says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with Him. We not only live with Him, we are hidden with Him. We have died with Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has saved us. And the Holy Spirit seals us and guarantees our salvation. That's why when you read these encouraging words in, in Romans um, chapter 8, when you read at the end of Romans chapter 8, and, and it says, No, in all these things we are, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because our life is hidden with Christ in God. What a privilege. And, and you need to know that you, you sit with Christ. You are seated with Him in the heavenlies, in a spiritual sense. But, yeah, this morning, you either sit with the earthly things, or you sit with the heavenly things. What is your life hidden in? Is it hidden in money, wealth? Or is your life hidden with Christ in God? Because before God saved us, we relied on the earthly things. And that's why Paul, Paul knows there's a time when Christ is going to return. He's going to appear. And he wants us to take our mind and our whole being off the earthly things. Especially the world's wisdom and philosophies. And the things that we put our trust in. The earthly things. The physical things. And he wants us to know that we've been raised with Christ. Therefore seek the things above. You're in a different realm now. You're in a spiritual realm. You are in the heavenlies, no longer earthly. Your, your citizenship is in heaven, not on earth. Therefore, take your eyes off the things that you used to trust in and seek the things that are above, the things that are in heaven, not the things on earth. Because when He appears, will you appear with Him in glory? And we've already learned that those who will not appear with Him in glory are those who love the world. We heard that in 1 John. Those who say they're a Christian, but they hate their brother and sister in Christ. And those that say they're a Christian, but they walk in darkness. We've learned that already in 1 John chapter 1 and 2. If you're a Christian, then you are going to walk in light. You're going to love your brother and sister. You're going to love your father. Obviously, when we go over to hating our brother for some unknown reason, or walking in darkness, or... or um, I can't remember the other one. If we do that, we can confess our sin. God is a God of forgiveness. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But if we practice these things, then our lives can't be hidden in Christ. We're fooling ourselves. So knowing that our lives are hidden in Jesus Christ, will we be encouraged to live Christ-centered lives? Because... What it really means when we say that our life is hidden with Christ in God, we are saying we are in union with Christ Jesus. We are united with Him. And because of this, we no longer belong to the realm 
of the heavenly, the earthly things. We belong to the heavenly realm. And, and God has provided us with power, that is through the work of the Holy Spirit, to, to live godly lives. And to know that we are secure in our relationship with our Father. No one can snatch us away from our Heavenly Father. No one can take away our Christianity. We are the ones that stumble. We are the ones that become shipwrecked. Because we are not seeking the things above. We are not focused on the heavenly things. But let us look at our second fact. And our second fact is also a very important fact to know. To encourage us to live Christ-centered lives. And our second fact is to know that we are raised with Christ. You see that again in the beginning of verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3. And then, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. If you want to know what it means to be raised with Christ, read chapters 1 and 2. It's all about doctrine. And then in chapters 3 and 4 of Colossians goes into practical theology how to live this out so if you're born again then you've been raised with christ if you call yourself a christian then you've been raised with christ then seek the things that are above when were you raised with christ the moment god saved you and that moment when god saved you you entered into christ's death and resurrection when Christ died, we died to sin. When He rose, we rose to righteousness. Paul tells us this in verses 12 and 13 of Colossians chapter 2. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. Through our salvation, we are made alive together with Jesus, with Christ. And we have a shared life with Him. Everything Jesus has is ours. We have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The only thing we don't have is we're not truly God. And God hasn't given us the things to act like God and be like God. But He's given us His Spirit and He's given us wisdom and He's given us knowledge and He's revealed Himself in the Scriptures so that we can transform our minds more and more into Christ-likeness and we can live godly lives and reflect His glory. And what does that mean? How do we reflect God's glory in this world? You have mercy and grace on people just like Christ had mercy and grace on you when He saved you. The way He stooped down and saved you through grace and mercy, unconditionally, are we showing God's glory by going out there and showing people God's grace and mercy in how we love them and how we help them. Coming to church doesn't really show much of God's glory. It's something, it's part of our Salvation is part of what we do as Christians. We read the Bible, we come to church, we, we pray. And we do this to honor God and please Him. It doesn't show our maturity, it doesn't show anything. Our maturity and our character is seen in how we live out there. We can put on church clothes this morning, but what clothes do we wear during the day? If you read the rest of Colossians chapter 3, put to death therefore what is earthly, which is verse 5 of chapter 3. And put on the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 12. 
Put on then, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. Go out there and be Christ-like in the way you live. Because when He appears, will you appear with Him in glory? And if we are living a Christ-centered life, we will. But it's, it's not easy. We need to be in the Scripture so we can walk in newness of life. So that we can put to death sin and we can be alive to God. It's amazing that verse 3, I mean verse 1 of chapter 3 of Colossians says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We are seated with Christ in a spiritual sense. And, it, and what's so amazing is that Christ gave up His seat, His heavenly things to come down on earth and live a life. He came so He could sympathize with us. He came and through, through suffering, um, He learned obedience. He died a sinless life. He was the perfect sacrifice. The perfect high priest who can intercede for us. But He gave up so much so that we could become rich in Him. He became poor. So that we could become rich in Him. Show me what king or what queen would give up their riches for us today. That they would become poor for us. And we could become rich in their things. If I went to the queen and asked her, would she give up Buckingham Palace for me? No, she won't. I don't know if you saw the other day on, on YouTube, and I stand to correction here, I don't think it's a myth, but there were two of her guards marching. A little boy got in the way. The guard didn't go around with him, he walked right over him. He shouted at him, get out of the way. The boy didn't, he just walked over him. What love do we show the world? What do we show humanity? I know they're commanded to do things and I know they get told what to do. But a, a, a little toddler. The world sees it. Some will laugh at it. Think it's funny. Some won't realize how lost and how cruel we've become as human beings. Because we have forgotten God. And because we don't seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. To be more heavenly in our actions and reactions. But Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, gave up. He gave up His throne to come down and live a life amongst us, amongst these people. And they too did not want to know Him. But what's so amazing is that God is so gracious and so merciful in spite of what goes on. But will we sit with Jesus and trust Him to live a Christ-centered life? And Paul says, that's what you've got to do. If you want to live a Christ-centered life, you've got to set your minds on the things above. You've got to be in the Scriptures. You've got to, you've got to cultivate your character. 
You go to the scripture so that you can cultivate faithfulness and gentleness and tenderness and kindness and meekness and love and joy and patience and goodness and forgiveness and strength, self-control, peace, purity, compassion and humility. And you saw that all in Christ's life. Those are His attributes, His character. And God has given us the Bible to help us. He's given us the sacred scriptures. And Hebrews, Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, um, verse 11, verse 12, chapter 4, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Scripture is there to change us. It's to grow our character. It doesn't matter how much Bible knowledge you have and how much of God's Word you know, but if your character is rotten, you've got to ask yourself, do you really know the God of the Bible? Do you really know the Gospel? Because the Gospel saves us, which is by God's grace, and the same Gospel by God's grace changes us and sanctifies us and transforms us. And we can only do this if our lives are hidden with Christ in God and if we are raised up with Him and seated with Him. But will we spend time in God's Word in 2022? Will we allow the Holy Spirit to work with the Scriptures to transform our minds more into Christ-likeness? Because Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, so that we may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And the only way we can do that is if we are in the Scriptures, either listening to them or we reading them, and then pondering on them, meditating on them, and then taking them and applying them to our daily lives. Only once we've taken these scriptures and we apply them, do we really grow and mature in Christ Jesus. Knowing the stuff doesn't mature you. But once you take this and you grow by applying it through the difficulties. A great example is in Acts chapter 5. Paul, uh, not Paul, the, the apostles... Peter and John, they are arrested for preaching the resurrection. And the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. So they arrested them, they threw them in prison, they locked them in prison. But a temp uh, 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 an angel came and, and, and let them out. And he said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And they did that the next day. But also the next day the guards came to find or, the, or, the, or the, um, the Sadducees with some other gods came for Jesus. They saw that he wasn't there. Someone said, look, the men, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And there were the, the apostles and, and Peter and John. And they went and they captured them again. And what did they do? They charged them. They strictly charged them, saying, you are not to teach, teach in this name. Because you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, 
we must obey God rather than men. A Christ-centered life brings forth obedience. The apostles, that's Peter and John, they rather obey God. Are we listening to God's word and are we obeying God? Because if we are in the scriptures daily and we are setting our minds on the things above where Christ is seated and we're setting, setting our minds on the, on the heavenly things and not on the earthly things, then that will help us what follows in the rest of the book of Colossians. Because we will be filled with God's word and we will be gracious to one another. If you look at verse 18 of chapter 3, wives submit to your husbands, you will see there, wives will live in submission to their husbands. There will be a loving atmosphere in the home, working together in love and harmony. Then it says, husbands, love your wives sacrificially. There the husband will be setting the tone to love sacrificially for the family to follow. Then verse 20, children obey your parents. There again, we will be teaching our children. And the children will be listening to God. Obey your parents. Honour your parents. And then it says, Fathers or parents, do not provoke your children when disciplining them. Again, if Christ is at the centre of our lives, we can bring in godly teaching. We can raise our children, not for the world so much, but for the kingdom of Christ. That's what we're raising our children for, is the kingdom of Christ. Yes, how to live in this world. And you go to school to be educated. But our responsibility is to raise them for Christ. And then if your life is a Christ-centered life, then you will then it talks in verse 22. Employees, obey your employer. Work diligently. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, employers or bosses, treat your employees or your workers fairly. We're not here to be saved and get to know God and grow our knowledge. Our knowledge must be lived out on this earth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is supposed to shape everything we do in church and we do outside the church. We need to seek the things above where Christ is seated so we can live a Christ-centered life. I think of Stephen dying as a martyr in Acts chapter 7, verse 60. He could only say what he said because his life was a Christ-centered life. There's no ways he would have laid on his life for the brethren and himself being martyred for Christ if it wasn't a Christ-centered life. And there's no ways he would have said in verse 16, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he had said these things, he fell asleep. Only a Christ-centered life can accomplish that. You hear of some of the martyrs that have died for Christ. There was a Scotsman, I can't, I can't remember the story completely, but all I know is is that the church, which was very Catholic at the time, wanted him to recant of Jesus being King of kings and Lord of Lords. 
and he wouldn't. And the day of his execution, they brought to him his youngest son's head on a plate to throw him, to cause him to stumble, to cause him to say, yes, I don't believe Jesus is the Christ. But he didn't. Because he had Christ at the center of his life. He kept on obeying God's word. And he went that day and was martyred a man of Christ. But you can only do that if Christ is at the center of your life. I'm not saying perfectly, but are we aligned God into our hearts and His Son so that Jesus can be at the center of our lives? Will we be challenged this morning to leave this building to, to take God's word seriously and take it to heart, especially these two facts that we've heard to encourage us, to help us to know to live a Christ-centered life. The first fact, we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. And the second fact, we are raised up with Christ. Will we look to the cross and knowing that there our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that our body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved by sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. To let go of the earthly things and to focus on the heavenly things. Will we put off sin? Will we put off seeking the earthly things and put on the Lord Jesus Christ seeking the heavenly things? To live a Christ-centered, to live a Christ-centered life, so that when He appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Don't take Christianity for granted. Don't take your walk with Christ for granted, because you prayed some prayer, or you assume God has saved you, and now you can just sit back and do nothing. No. Grow in godliness. Seek the things above where Christ is seated. So you can live a Christ-centered life. So that when He appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let's pray. Father, help us please. We need wisdom and we need your guidance every day to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To look to Him and know how He suffered. He did not grow weary or faint-hearted to, to the point where He walked away from His responsibility. He was obedient even to death, unto death on the cross. And we thank You for His humility. We thank You for His obedience. We thank You for His selfless life and sinless life. Father, forgive us. Have mercy upon us. But help us to deny our cross. And help us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross daily and follow Christ. Help us, Father. Help us, please. Help us to seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Have mercy upon us, Father. Help us now when we come to the Lord's Supper that we would, would challenge our hearts and we would 
allow Scripture to rebuke us and to correct us and to train us and teach us so that we would deny ourselves and that we would like Christ to come our first place in everything. But as we come to the Lord's Supper, we are reminded what He accomplished for us, what He earned for us, that we've been bought with the precious blood of Christ and we're not our own. So help us, Father, please. Help us all to confess our sin, to come to true repentance and to walk in newness of life, not just in words, but in truth and deeds. Help us, Father. Pray on us this all in Jesus' name. Amen.